Hi, I'm Jack Griffin. And I'm David Peters. Welcome to Gap Chat, where we interview our fellow gappers about how they are taking charge of their year. This episode's guest is Simon Ma, a current gapper in Harvard's class of 2026. Hi, Simon. Hello, Jack. Hello, David. It's nice to see you guys. Nice to see you too. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty great here. So um, I'm in Singapore right now, which normally has like a pretty tropical, humid weather, but it's been kind of cool. Simon, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I was born in China and um, I stayed there until I was eight before my parents decided to migrate to Singapore for a better education, better environment. So I've been Singapore since 2008. So that means my um, elementary school, um, high school, and everything was spent here. What I did in high school is probably mostly study really hard for A-levels and then run a couple of volunteering projects and do some music-related stuff in the string ensemble. And yeah, the Asian kids started pack, knowing, <laughs> knowing an instrument, you know, uh, yeah, learning, I mean, learning foreign languages, that sort of stuff. What instrument do you play? I play the violin, but during my gap year, I've had some time to play piano and guitar, just the bare basics. I also played uh, violin in high school. Are you thinking about playing in orchestra, like in college? I think I'm not likely to continue. I want to go with like an a cappella group. Ooh. So I do some singing and r- recording stuff in my free time, but I've procrastinated too much to upload any of them. <laughs> Waiting for that one day they can be published to the world. <laughs> so Simon, tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing on your gap year or gap years, plural. So um, as it is with all Singaporean males, uh, I have to serve two years of mandatory national service. So there are three you know, sort of organizations you can go into. One is the SAF, the Singapore Armed Forces, which would be your normal army in green, wearing camo paint and then fighting out in the jungle, whacking the bushes, that sort of stuff, carrying, you know, anti-tank cannons, whatever. Wow. Most of my friends are there. There's also the, um, the, the Civil Defense Force, which does all the firefighting, you know, responding to the but we, we dial 995 here in emergency. So they respond to those cases. They try to they, they break down the doors if necessary, put out fires. And then for me, I'm in the police force, which means that, I mean, our, our job scope is just, you know, fighting crime and that sort of stuff. But there's a lot of different branches, a lot of different departments everywhere, different stations across the island and different army camps. So all my um, male friends are like distributed across the country. Actually, in fact, there are some female friends who sign on and join the army too. In the COVID year, <laughs> the number in mushrooms significantly. <laughs> I think because of job security concerns, that, that sort of stuff. Because um, I guess it's a kind of like a stable job. I mean, being in the civil service. And yeah, you get to experience a different side of life. The regimentation and um, you know some bureaucracy stuff and some <laughs> stuff that don't make sense that you have to follow. I think that should be present in like most military establishments. I mean, army is all about conformity and following orders mechanically, and you know everyone is shaved bald so that everyone looks the same. There's no really no fancy haircut. Yeah, I was shaved bald at the start of last year, but <laughs> wow, because 
I'm in a in a staff vocation, meaning I'm like an office staff. Uh-huh. I can my my hair can grow back, but those <laughs> in the army camps, you know, some of them they have to shave it every two weeks. They have to pay wow. for that. Yeah, and at least for the police force, my experience so far has been pretty good. What I'm doing in police force is that I'm in the training branch, so I don't directly combat crime, but I guess I help better equip officers to combat crime, like through you know actual training or e-quizzes. Yeah, I'm mainly in charge of the e-quizzes portion, so I'm doing mostly administrative work. Yeah, like I don't go out to patrol, which mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I'm missing out on a big part of the police, the quintessential policeman experience. But it's also kind of nice to just chill in office for like the week. <laughs> okay, not chill. Uh, not chill. I mean, do actual work. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in my training branch. We conduct, you know, taser training, shooting, um, shooting training, you know, uh, fitness tests. You have to book offices for fitness tests. Yeah, it's a lot of dr- I guess there's some office drudgery too. Shredding paper, photocopying stuff, checking emails. <laughs> picking up phone calls, carrying stuff, you know, up the stairs. Yeah, so because of COVID, mm-hmm. right, there's a lot of transition into the e-learning portion, just as it is with schools. There's a need for e-quizzes, which is what I'm in charge of. I basically, you know, read the standard operating procedures for the police in different scenarios. Like, for example, if they come across, you know, uh, an armed man, or they come across, like, you know, a sudden... Uh, hostile vehicle attack, which is which is rare, hasn't happened before. And but the more common cases would be like neighbor disputes, you know, wild animals like wild boars roaming around, which is surprisingly often here. And <laughs> really, yeah, yeah, wild boars, <laughs> lots of wild boars roaming around in the parks. Uh, so I read those stuff, and then I generate questions for the officers to test their understanding, and then you know I vet it with my boss and with my colleagues. So my life is vastly different from those army peeps who are like <laughs> bush bashing, sleeping out in the jungle. So it, it, there's actually a huge spectrum of experiences in the national service. I have a friend who's soon going to be doing uh, his one-year commitment in Korea. And he, oh. has some, he has some opinions on the required military service. So I would love to hear what your opinion is of Singapore's mil- requirement from military service. So this the national service here has been implemented since like 1967 or around there. So shortly after Singapore independence and Singapore was under the um was a British colony from in the 1800s, 1819 all the way until uh, 1942, where the Japanese invaded and then took over Singapore for three years. And after that, Singapore was back to British rule, but in the end they achieved self-government and then they became part of Malaysia. But then Malaysia kicked us out and then we became like this lonely red dot in the sea of uncertainty and, you know, global wow. threats, right? So because we have our neighbors, Malaysia and Indonesia, who all have their own army and who vastly outsize and outnumber us. So the government felt that there was a need for man- mandatory conscription of all the males so that we have a huge reserve of soldiers mm-hmm. who can be called to defend a country in any crisis. So because of national service, the number of people we can call on would be greater than our neighbors because they don't have it. <laughs> because we are much smaller, right? We only right. have around six point something million people. Yeah, so we'll be like comparable to, you know, a, a city in California or something. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I think it is, I can totally get why it is necessary. But at the same time, the, the process can be improved on many levels. For example, you know, allowing people to serve based on their capacity, you know, individual capabilities and preferences. We did have, you know, a survey to indicate our preferences, but ultimately, whatever makes a decision, the whole mechanism is like a black box that we'll never find out. Like, we never know, I'll never know why I'm in the police force instead of the army or anywhere else. Oh, really? You didn't get to choose which of the three branches? You can indicate some interest, but ultimately, the decision is not up to you. You just get the letter, you do your health check to see, you know, whether you're fit for some stuff, and then you just go in. Wow. I kind of want to ask about how um, COVID has been mm. has affected your uh, service or your gap year or your life in general. Right. For Singapore, at least, I think it was a bit mismanaged because the government was low-key encouraging people not to wear a mask at the start. It's, it's kind of dumb because I think they don't want people to, you know, uh, get into panic and then panic buy everything because people will stop piling rice and toilet paper at the start of 2020 like January to March right and then from April to June I think there was this thing called a circuit breaker where most people work from home and then a lot of places are closed so what this impacted on me personally is that it made my national service a lot easier because <laughs> I'm working I'm working from home yeah, and the circuit breaker also disrupted some of my stuff. Like I was taking driving lessons, but I couldn't, you know, because the driving center is closed. Right. Yeah, you basically can't meet people. So there's a lot of video call, I guess. Scribble. <laughs> there are like online games like Scribble. <laughs> I mean, that's where among yeah, that's where among us kind of like search and popularity, I guess. And then after the circuit breaker, it was back to um semi-normal, but you know, everyone's wearing masks outside. Even now, everyone, you know their advice to wear masks because if not you're gonna get fined 300 singapore dollars so everyone wears masks also and gatherings were strictly limited so i can't gather in a huge group it was very hard trying to maintain contact with friends and trying to get used to reality because you know life is so different from back in high school so i graduated in 2019 right and in back in school it's so easy to see everyone around you know whoever i want to say i just dropped by the class we can meet in the canteen we can go on you know you know just just go and eat at the restaurants around our school that sort of stuff i think singapore did really well in the aspect of contact tracing so everyone has to you know scan a qr code wherever they go now and then you know do this this thing called safe entry into whatever place and then now we have trace together tokens which we can carry around and then you alert us if we are in the vicinity of anyone with suspected symptoms. So that's going well until uh, the, until uh, something happened about the trace together token, where it's like, oh, we we might use the we will use the data for criminal um, oh. investigations. Yeah, which they didn't say at the time. So people were kind of um, a bit outraged online. There was a bit of hoo ha. Um, people. Uh, weren't really comfortable with you know this Orwellian notion of knowing <laughs> where you are and the boundaries weren't very clearly set on what sort of criminal investigation like you know there's also political crime and yeah I mean I could tell you all about Singapore history but that's not the <laughs> point of today yeah Simon I would be interested to hear your advice to anyone considering taking a gap year who is not required by law to take one <laughs> Yeah, sure. I think taking a gap year is a process of 
discovering yourself because because a lot of the time you know we are we are all caught up in doing all the stuff our school has to offer and then mm-hmm. keeping ourselves busy. But I think gap year is not necessarily about that. It's about you know knowing how to be comfortable even in a non busy state or doing or finding out new things to keep us busy. I think it's nice to do stuff now that are not of practical concern, like drawing stuff, just slowing down, you know, sipping tea, um, <laughs> chilling. And I guess volunteer- volunteering too, like I do go to Habitat for Humanity and mm. continue one of my high school projects on science education. Yeah, it, because more now more than ever, the poor are, you know, experiencing the brunt of the effects of COVID, right? They are right. the ones who... The low-skilled workers are the ones mostly impacted. Well, thank you so much, Simon, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jack and David, you know, for all the effort in reaching out and then the effort you're going to put in later for the editing. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for listening to Gap Chat. This episode was made possible by the Tooth Fairy after my bar brawl last weekend. As always, I'm Jack Griffin. And I'm David Peters. Stay tuned for new episodes every Saturday.